the same thing over and over again. He dozed off around five, didn't look at a clock, just knew that it was around then. It was as if time was inside him, his body counting down even when he did everything he could to think about something else. Half past six, no later, he woke up. The smell of the cell assaulted him. The first breath made him gag, and he hung over the dirty toilet bowl. It was more like a porcelain hole with no lid that was far too low even for someone who was five foot seven. He had gone down on his knees waiting to spew, and then had to put his fingers down his throat when it didn't happen. He had to empty himself, had to get rid of that first breath, had to get it out. Difficult to get up otherwise, difficult to stand up. He hadn't slept through a whole night since he came here, four years ago now, and he had stopped hoping that he ever would. But last night, this morning, had stolen more from him than any other morning or night. It had been Marvin Williams's second-to-last night. About lunchtime, the old man would be escorted down the secure corridor over to the death house and into one of the two cells there, his last twenty-four hours. Marv, who was his neighbor and friend, Marv, who had been on death row the longest now. Marv, so wise, so proud, so different from the other madmen. Diazepam enema. Marv would be dribbling by the time they came to get him. He would be drugged and docile toward the end. He would slowly and drowsily consent to be escorted out by the men in uniform, and by the time they locked the door of East Block, he would have forgotten the smell. John. Yes? You wake. Marv hadn't slept either. John had heard him tossing and turning, walking around and around his tiny cell, singing something that sounded like children's songs. Yes, I'm awake. I didn't dare shut my eyes. You understand, John? Marv? Scared of falling asleep, scared of sleeping. Marv, you don't need to say anything. The bars were off-white, sixteen ugly iron bars from one wall to the next. When John stood up and leaned forward, he did what he always did. He put his thumb and index finger around one of the bars, encircling the metal, holding on, always the same, one hand, two digits. He enclosed what enclosed him. Marv's voice again, one of those deep baritones, calm. He's just as well. John waited in silence. They had spoken to each other ever since he came here. On the very first morning, Marv's friendly voice had helped him to get up, to be able to stand up without losing his balance. The conversation had continued ever since and was still going on. Staring straight ahead through the bars at the wall opposite for several years without being able to see each other, but now. His voice caught in his throat. He coughed. What do you say to someone who is only going to live for a day and a night more than die? Marv was breathing heavily. You know, John, I can't stand waiting any longer. They read quite a bit. John had never read before, not by choice. After a few months, Marv had forced Huckleberry Finn on him, a damn children's book, but he'd read it. Then another one. Now he read every day, 
so he didn't have to think. What will it be today, John? Today I want to talk to you. You have to read, you know that. Not today. Tomorrow, I'll read again tomorrow. Marv, the only black man in town. That was how he used to introduce himself. That was what he'd said that first morning when John's legs didn't want to work. A voice from the other side of the cell wall, and John had reacted in the way he always reacted. He'd told the voice to go to hell and eat shit. The only black man in town. John had seen for himself when the four guards had escorted him down the corridor and opened the door and then locked it for the first time. Not many other white men in East Block. He was on his own. Seventeen years old and more terrified than he'd ever been in his life. He'd spat at the wall and kicked it until small chips of plaster powdered his shoes, and he had shouted,